episode three of season two of the mindful podcast so today i have two lovely guests here with me to talk about gentrification i know this is a huge buzzword now and everyone's saying it and using it right and left so i want some experts in the field um, from very different perspectives to talk about what exactly gentrification means and how even more importantly how that impacts people of color so before we get into it, I want to first ask you how you guys are feeling. Let's start with Armani because Armani is new to the show. Let's clap it up for Armani. <laughs> how are you feeling today, Armani? I'm feeling great. I'm happy to be here. Um, I had a really busy day at work, but um, it's all good. I'm here now. So I'm chilling. Okay. Nice. with us. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing well. Um, again, for those who don't know, I'm Alex JV. Uh, I'm feeling grateful. Just celebrated my 30th birthday, uh, and it was an amazing weekend. Yeah, it was tough to process approaching 30. I think a lot of people struggle with transitional years, um, and I struggle with it a lot. So I had people around me that helped me embrace it. I'm looking forward to what 30 and beyond brings. Nice. Um, grateful. That's good to hear. What about you? How are you? Thank you. I'm so happy you guys asked because every time <laughs> I start, I like wait for someone to ask me and then sometimes people don't. Oh I'm man. Well, we care. Ask. We care. And that makes me feel good. Um, my week has been very like up and down emotionally and I'm like trying to figure out why exactly. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with my position and just feeling like... Um, not having as much autonomy as like I felt like I had when I first got the position. And I don't know if that's just a place of like me feeling like I'm outgrowing it and just trying to figure out like what the next steps are in mm. my life is where I'm at. So Oof. it's been up and down, but um, being here is always fun and it always makes me feel better being around like-minded people and having good conversations. So I'm feeling good. Yeah, get it out. I'm get it out. Good. Nice. So I wanted to start off by just like reading the definition of gentrification. Again, like I said, it's a buzzword. And I feel like a lot of times these words that we overuse begin to lose its power when we overuse them because a lot of people use them differently. And it's important when we are having a conversation about something that we have a shared definition of what it truly means mm. so that we all are talking about the same thing. Because mm. I don't want... Armani be talking about gentrification and he's the expert. So I feel like he really knows the definition, <laughs> but like for me to have a definition that's different from Armani, that's different from you, Alex. Yeah. So let's start off by reading the definition of gentrification. And I got this um, either from Oxford or Webster. I believe it was Oxford. Uh, so this is the legit definition. Uh, the process of renovating and improving housing or a district so that it conforms to middle-class taste. Mm -hmm. It is. So how does that make you feel, like, first of all? 
Um, like reading that definition, does that does that spark any emotions in you? Well, for me, I, I think at this stage in my life and career, mm-hmm. it doesn't as much. However, when you when I think back to the first time that I truly looked into what gentrification me, meant, um, I obviously felt like it was leaving something out. Mm-hmm. I felt that it was leaving my personal experience with gentrification out, being a black man or being of some someone who's. You know, let's face it, a lot of us aren't in the middle class, even if we think that we are. We're in a working class, which is like right below the middle class and classes is, is just so vast. So now, though, I understand from the perspective of a realtor and someone who works with a lot of different housing um, situations that gentrification truly is the improvement of an area mm-hmm. that also affects other um, things that are pretty nuanced, such as race and class and things like that. How would you define gentrification, or do you agree with that? Uh, I, I, actually, I've never seen that definition that mm-hmm. was on the screen. Um, and if you, if you put it back, I could probably remember it a little better. But I think from what I remember, yeah, from what I remember, um, the the definition that um, the people that I usually run with use. Um, it's a little bit different, and I think it's a um, it's a yeah it's a, it would be a process um, of um, how would you put it? I, so it wouldn't be like this. Mm-hmm. That's why I mean, but this is kind of close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a process of um, an area that is disinvested in, mm-hmm. so an area that's historically disinvested in, usually working class people of color communities um, that have been disinvested in. Um, prices fall, and that area is then seen as an area that people want to go back to, mm. people that have once left and were part of the disinvestment, mm. uh, want to return and, you know, take advantage of the lower price uh, housing stock, and then from there, the prices go up for the people that have lived there for a while, mm. um, who often are renters, um, be- so because the property um, down the street is being rented out, you know, for more money. Um, their house up the block that hasn't had any improvements goes up. Now, that's not a definition. That's just like yeah. definition. But I, the, I guess the simplest way to put it is it's a, a process um, of, of kind of like a, a violent like racial process of mm. um, taking land and, um, yeah, taking land and resources from communities that, have, that haven't really ever had um, resources. So... I think you guys are like saying similar things in different ways. Like this definition leaves out the experience of people Mm -hmm. because when you read that or just me reading it, I'll speak for myself. I was like, okay, well it just means that they're kind of revitalizing a neighborhood, but uh, both of you are speaking to the fact that it's violent. There is capitalism involved Mm -hmm. in it. There is um, like a, a selfish belief in it as well for the people that are trying to recreate these neighborhoods that don't keep the people who are existing and living there in mind. Um, so can you guys like expand a little bit more on what exactly you do? I know you mentioned that you're a realtor, Alex, but what are you seeing in um, your experience and your practice with home buying and people of color and gentrification like what what is happening yeah um well i've been blessed this year to start working with uh, massachusetts affordable housing alliance which 
I believe puts me at a different place where it's not just about buying and selling real estate. Um, I know that a lot of people can hear, you know, realtor, okay, you know, we're just focused on the sales. However, the reason why I joined with uh, Massachusetts Affordable Housing was because of that, you know, connection to what's going on in our community, you know, and in terms of housing and what we're seeing is, you know, in our classes, you see people just like us, you know, you see people who may not have started out with a lot of the best resources, um, may not have started out with the greatest income, and really are people that are renting in areas that, like you said, we're disinvested in, you know, or we're never invested in in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And so with those people now, gentrification is pushing them out. So what we're seeing is a lot more difficulty, a a lot higher of a difficulty for them to own property in the areas that are being gentrified. Um, Gentrification, like, you know, to put it straightforward, it is pretty violent because you physically cannot afford it. There's nothing you can do. You've been living there for 10, 20, 30 years, you know, through the generations, and now the rent is going up mm-hmm. because the areas are being increased because, you know, for whatever reason, uh, um, people who were not originally from the area, they're coming back. They, they want the amenities that are, that they have, which is closer to, you know, the city or closer to mm-hmm. public transportation. Um, you know, the empty nesters and for them, that's affordable to them. Like there's a scale there because some, a lot of those people won't necessarily be able to afford what's in the heart of those suburban areas or close to the city. However, they can afford those other areas, which are thus pushing out a lot of the lower middle working class. Um, and so, you know, my job is to help um, people understand their options and get them into the homes that are local to them, local to their schools and, and work. However, it's, it, it can be heartbreaking at the same time. So, you know, it, it's something that we're, that's our long-term goal is to continue to provide affordability, you know? Uh, yeah. So, um, by day I'm a, I work at a nonprofit that helps low-income students basically, um, figure out what they want to do with life, whether it be college or um, um, some other meaningful experience mm-hmm. after college, um, after high school, um, called Summer Search. It's a great organization. Mm, I've al- heard of it before. Yeah, I'm an alumni. Uh, nice. But then I'm also a community organizer, so my volunteer free time, I've been a part of a community movement called Reclaim Roxbury. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been organizing for a number of years prior to, to Reclaim Roxbury, but... Mm-hmm. Um, most recently have put my time and effort into that. And it, it, it started as a, an initiative um, to get people from Roxbury um, involved in the planning process around public land in the, in the neighborhood um, that was going to be developed. And so we pushed um, and pushed for there to be more, more consideration for people who are low income, who are feeling like the brunt of the gentrification effect. And um, it's about making sure that public land is used for public good and um, giving people the um, power, yeah, and helping people build their power and um, ability to advocate. And so I've been doing that for like three, four years now. Um, and because of that, our, I work with a number of other organizations like Maha, yeah. City Life, Eater, Bon, uh, um, New England United for Justice, Doors Not for Sale, Cape Bond, Eggleston, um, and a host of other um, organizations right at City Boston. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, we roll deep. Yeah, I'm kidding. 
What are the impacts? Like, what are the stories you guys have been hearing from people that have been impacted by gentrification? Like, what are the what are the emotions? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of. It's a tough thing for for people to to experience. I mean, if as a the parents that I know that that have dealt with it, it's like embarrassment Mm -hmm. um, because Mm -hmm. they're not able to to stay where they've lived for. A long period of time, like betrayal to you know, depending on if they had a relationship with that landlord or not, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, not being able to just provide for your your family. I've had um, students who've had their you know come home to to all their stuff out in like the middle of the winter oh, because wow. you know their rent went up, they couldn't afford to stay. Yeah, they got booted, um, and so yeah, it puts people in the crunch for young people, especially. It's it's like a, a tough situation because you're having to move and you have no say in it, you're a kid, you, you know, you're not, and, um, and if you're making, like, if you're earning money, you know, for yourself or to help your family, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a tough situation. And I think, um, it also makes people feel powerless because they mm-hmm. feel like there's nothing they can do, um, to stop it. Cause that's so, real. That's your yeah. home yeah. to be taken away from your home, yeah. which is supposed to be like your security. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you might have met, you know, memories there. You have neighbors. Exactly. You have, you know, it's like uprooting a plant. It's, you know, right. It's not good yeah. for it. Right. Your foundation. It's it's you know I like what you said about you're young. A lot of the it, it's it's tough. I'm directly dealing with a lot of the adults mm-hmm. who are dealing with the decision. However, you can't help uh, except think about the children that are involved, and you know they have zero clue what's going on. They just know that where they went to school, you know, if they're if they're of the age where they're also working as well, where they're working, the the people that they know, it's it's something that's being taken mm-hmm. from them. Um it can be very very heartbreaking. Very heartbreaking. I've had conversations with people who, you know, they have to find some place affordable or else they're going to be out. You know, and and that, when that is stated to me, it's really really hurtful cuz it's like, man, all right, I got to connect you with the right people. And, you know, the the thing I, I, I like about where I'm at is I'm not just in the real estate world. We have, you know, housing counselors who are there helping people to figure out, okay, if they're not going to own, where can they go temporarily? Where can they go? Um, you know, what re- renting resources can they get as well? And if, and hopefully that works out for them. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, then what you're seeing is somebody literally uproot everything and go to outside of Boston. Um, and not even just outside of Boston. How We're talking miles. Other yeah. Does that have an impact on the other communities? The ones that they're going or the ones yeah. that they're leaving? The so the ones, ones that, that they're, they're yeah, the ones that they're going, you know, when you see a mass influx there, those areas start to become more pricey, right? Mm-hmm. And then it becomes less affordable for them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's weird. Um it's it's such a catch how that works mm-hmm. you know and so people there's a mass exodus of people just heading south or heading west mm-hmm. or or far far north and you know the new areas aren't necessarily invested in so you're just putting more people into an area that mm-hmm. can't handle that and you know that those areas end up getting affected more and those places could actually be worse off you know if those areas don't improve then they actually become worse with the more people fluctuate um going down there 
They predict that's going to happen with Brockton. So as you guys know, I'm from Brockton. Uh, Brockton is a majority minority mm. city, uh, mostly Cape Verdean, Haitian immigrants. Mm-hmm. It has one of the largest immigrant populations within Massachusetts. Um, so we're talking about people who are coming from America, who need a lot of assistance, who can't really afford to uproot out of Brockton yeah. if that were to continue to be the pattern. Uh, but we are seeing a lot of, because um, Brockton is now a place where it's next to the commuter rail line. Um, it's not too far from Boston. Right, yeah. So we're seeing a lot of like and it has its own white bus graduates too. moving. Exactly. Yeah. Bus. You can go right to Ashmont with the bat bus. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a lot of young white people beginning to move into Brockton and change the demographics yeah. of that. And, a lot of them are moving from Boston um, because they can't afford it. So, yeah, yeah we're definitely seeing that uh, yeah. there as well. And it sounds like you guys work are working on, like, different, like, spheres of this gentrification process. So it sounds like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, like, Alex is more of, like, the options counseling um, in terms of, so this is happening. What are your options? Where can you go? And I sounds like Armani's more of like the empowerment and trying to um, have residents be a part of the conversation. Mm. Is that, would you say that's like, accurate? The way that we in the, I guess they call it like organizing as opposed to service. Right. Um, mm. So providing direct service, there's organizing, like building power, there's advocacy, mm-hmm. and there's like lawmaking. There's, mm. I think there's different angles to, like, to how you approach anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's just like, it's one important piece of addressing the issue yeah. Um, yeah. then the, I think the good thing is is in a way you are right where my role specifically comes in is definitely providing options and um, you know direct service and the good thing about having Maha as a backing Massachusetts affordable housing is they actually do a lot of advocacy they do a lot of empowerment they do a lot of policy passing you know providing more affordable options that aren't just hey you have to head out of the city mm-hmm. it's affordable options like hey maybe this is a better you know down payment or interest rate or um this is a better mortgage program that will allow you to even afford in the areas that they have been living in and growing up in so there are definitely multiple um avenues and multiple sectors of of maha that will be at city hall you know will be we'll we'll have you know volunteers come in and and do phone calls for voting you know different policies that are coming in we we hold huge events um with politicians to provide more options um and i think you said earlier like talking about making sure public land is used for public, mm-hmm. you know, uh, services yeah. or public good instead of just builders coming in and putting up, you know, multi-million dollar properties and things like that. So there's so many, it's so layered and, um, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I'm definitely playing my role where I need to. How can like someone like myself who might not be like as well versed on what's going on, um, be a part of combating gentrification or be a part of the movement and what capacity, like what organizations, I know you, you mentioned some, but yeah, cool. what could, yeah. what could I do? Mm-hmm. What could the people listening do? 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's cliche to say get involved. Um, get definitely include your community, uh, your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Get to know them, and have them be involved in the city council meetings or mm-hmm. you know city hall. If you have you know different sections of your own town that has city meetings, those meetings are free. Those meetings are powerful. Um, you know, some people who know me know that last year I was doing um, a project on a, a certain neighborhood and just understanding their demographics, understanding what they do right, what they do wrong, things like that. And I ended up going to <clears throat> to a town hall meeting mm-hmm. and it was amazing. I walked in and just everyone is involved. The problem was there was no minorities there. Mm-hmm. I was I was one of two, if not three. I was one of two or three, and yet I couldn't be involved in the town hall meeting because I wasn't part of the town, and I think the other person was just witnessing as well. Mm-hmm. So we weren't there, and that was such a huge... It devastated me because they were voting on real things that mattered to the community, mm-hmm. and yet we weren't there. So some people may look at it as, like, oh, you know, you guys don't get involved, or we can look at it as, well, you know they can't afford to leave their, you know, family or children at home. Maybe they're working different hours, mm-hmm. you know. There's a different struggle with getting involved. So mm-hmm. I'd say you as a person get get really, really small. You know, involve neighbors, start making decisions with your neighbors mm-hmm. to improve your areas, you know. Mm-hmm. Gentrify the area for yourselves before someone else comes in and decides what gentrification looks like. What does that look like? Like gentrifying an area for ourselves. Um, it involves well, like uh, like I said, I think I think it involves um, you know cleaning up your area is, is one thing, and whatever that may mean to you, cleaning up your area could be strictly trash, you know, actual physical trash. Mm-hmm. Cleaning up your area could be um, just behavior that's going on in in your own area. Um, it can also it can also literally mean being watch watch for your own neighbors you know people who uh, you know raising your neighborhood like a child as a tribe you know what i mean like if your neighbor is struggling with something you know lending a hand for them so that maybe they can be involved in the in another capacity somewhere else because hey i can watch out for you know your family for you i could watch out for you know things that are going on around us and i think if you raise your neighborhood like a tribe and gentrify it for yourself, you know, invest in your in your neighborhood. Businesses are very, very rampant right now, mm-hmm. right? Everyone has a business. Mm-hmm. So investing in the businesses within your community mm-hmm. is one of the biggest things that you can do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that, that those are small things that can go a long way. And then when you start to create actual groups that can meet, make decisions, then you take the decisions away from someone else coming in. I like that. It's simple. And we're going to go into emergent strategy later, but one of the nine pillars I'm calling it of emergent strategy is small as all. And like it, it's really about the little things that make up the whole. So if I am purchasing from a local bodega every day, or if I pick up, a few pieces of trash, but 
then I am also influencing. So I work at Brockton Neighborhood Health Center. We have a staff of about 600. Yeah. If I send an email blast about let's uh, beautify the area, the yeah. downtown area, and challenge everyone to do those small actions, then yep. collectively that's a huge impact. So huge. I like how you you simplified that. Yeah, yeah. And it's free. It right. doesn't take doesn't right. take too much money. You literally keep the area clean so that it, it can attract business. It can attract your own money within your own own neighborhood. So I don't want to steal too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, you, what, what's the question? Um. So how do what does it look like for us to gentrify our own neighborhoods oh. as opposed to developers coming in? I don't know if I'd call it gentrifying our own. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what that was kind of buzzy for me to, to say <laughs> I that. Know, right. I remember Jay-Z had said that, and it yeah. was, like, very yeah. controversial. Like, we're not supposed to be gentrifying. We're supposed yeah. to be, like, building it up. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, maybe I can answer the other one about how you get involved. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah answer whatever that. you want. Whatever. Right? Sure. This is your sure. show, too. Y'all can ask <laughs> okay. your question. No, I was like, I don't know that. if I can answer that question. I don't know if I can. I don't even know. I, I never, I didn't hear Jay-Z say that, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, like, to get involved, um, I think, I mean, this sounds cliche, too, but, like, the organizations that I listed before, getting involved in one of those organizations, whether it be, like, donating your time, donating your money, um, sharing what they do um doing a call-in day if there's a call-in day for legislators or city council mm-hmm. um yeah just making an effort to get to stay involved to stay up to date and what's going on um it's tough depending on who you are to actually like stop gentrification per se like as someone who's you know actively trying to do that in their free time mm-hmm. volunteering um like i and it's not easy and it's um and it's you know it's an uphill battle and it's you know global forces. It's bigger than just um, United States. It's all happening all over the world. Hmm. Um, and it's you know it's a yeah. So it's it's a big issue. And, and so, but I, I do agree that the way that you can kind of um, like fortify against it is by connecting with your neighbors, mm-hmm. joining neighborhood groups, forming neighborhood groups um, with the goal of of making sure that your neighborhood your neighbors you know neighbors that maybe have less resources than you um, are you know, are spoken for. Um, yeah. If you are of, of more means, um, I think it's important to, to step back and, and like listen to people who are like have of less, you know, poor and really try to understand what they're going through too. Um, because oftentimes, you know, people who get involved are, are other people who have more time and resources. And so mm-hmm. they can often um, speak over the people who, you know, who might actually need more um, people to stand up for them. So I think it's important to do um, something, and and you know, being a good neighbor is important. Advocacy is important. Um, if you can avoid being like you know, being someone who's actively uh, profiting from gentrification, then that also is a good way to, mm. to not do it. Um, I'm not saying quit your job, but you know, <laughs> you know, if you have your job is is you know going to a poor neighborhood and flipping homes, or mm. you know, or, or being in um, mm. you know, or being an aggressive. Yeah, but that's a realtor, then you know, that's not good. Mm. Try to stop that. Um, yeah. Can you talk more about how it's happening all over the world? Because I sure. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, from what I understand, having you know someone who like reads about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, this is happening like coast to coast in America, but it's also happening all over the world in, in both developed countries and less developed countries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, there's. It's similar to what's, hap- what's happened here. There's areas that either don't have never been invested in or are disinvested in um, that are 
um, that are seen as you know more safe nowadays because maybe the people that live there have taken you know have fought to make sure it's safe and that's clean and now it's a more desirable neighborhood mm-hmm. um, and there's opportunity um, people have more money now the economy's better yeah. so that, that which is a global thing mm-hmm. um, so people have more money to spend so people are gonna you know, want an extra house. You know, mm-hmm. A lot of the housing crisis, from what I understand, is around investment property. Mm-hmm. It's not even about like family X wants to move their family to you know from you know, the suburbs to the Boston. That's actually not the case. It's it's more about you know there being luxury towers that are that people buy for investment property to trade on like global markets. Mm-hmm. Stuff that I don't have, uh, you know, I don't necessarily understand, but I'm trying to understand. I'm reading books about it, but mm-hmm. um, it's bigger. It's a big thing. Um, it is. And there's, you know, it's a big topic. Like right now, the presidential candidates are debating about, um, you know, rent control mm-hmm. um, and all these major topics. So yeah. it's a big deal. Gentrification, um, for better or for worse, it is always going to be a thing. Um, because like you said, and you, you basically took the words right out of my mouth, my mouth about the economy, money's always flowing. It's flowing somewhere. You know what I mean? Money is flowing, you know, to you know through different businesses that are going to be looking for ways to spend their money and real estate has been the major and main way since the beginning of the first house that was built Mm -hmm. Um, so gentrification will occur the question is are are we able to change the definition right where where it's no longer just about improving it for the middle class it's improving it for the class that's there it's improving it for us i have no problem with what jay-z said about gentrify your area because you can redefine gentrification it's not about just hearing what he said and having a problem with we're not supposed to be gentrifying it's saying no well let's take the word gentrification and say it literally means to improve your area Mm -hmm. period let's not worry about that you're not yeah take out the violent piece take out the nuance of race and and the fact that it's affecting you Mm -hmm. and understand that you're gentrifying it for your own good um yeah it it will definitely continue to occur and, and i think that you know, fortifying your area, you know, getting involved, um, spending money locally, spending time locally. You don't have to spend money locally. You know, time is very, very valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, vote. I'm sorry. I believe in it. I still, I be, there's a lot of people that don't believe in voting and that's okay. That's their prerogative. I won't argue with somebody who, th- who believes that voting does no good. I will just say, well, while you're sitting at the table, yeah. Jimmy Pereira. Yeah. Vote locally. Thank you. Primary in the city of Brockton. Yes, you know. We can get, uh, for mayor. For mayor. So hopefully who's we the, get our first elected. Comment? Um, right now it's Moses Rodriguez because our mayor. Who? I thought it was Carpenter. No, I don't. I don't know about Brockton. So. Carpenter <laughs> passed away in yeah, July. Yeah. So who's Carpenter? He was. The he mayor. was the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> he was the mayor. Brockton, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we have a good perspective of yeah. like different areas of Massachusetts. Yeah. Alex dabbled well from Hyde Park. Yeah, from Hyde Park, but, family in Brockton. Yeah. yeah, so I have my have my roots there too. So we yeah. yeah, vote. It, like you said, I, I think it's it's huge locally. I really think it matters. Um, and and. Even if your one vote, even if you believe your one vote doesn't matter, imagine what else you're doing. Imagine what else you're getting involved in or what other piece of information you're finding out just by 
looking up which candidates you like because now yes you you know you're one vote to the person who has no shot you know yeah that's going to happen however now you found out about okay well this group is trying to do this to the neighborhood that i'm living in and you wouldn't have known that if you just kind of was just like oh well i'm not going to get involved Mm -hmm. so there are layers there are so many layers to this when you invest in your you know a person of more means when you invest into your area imagine how it's coming back to you in ways that you don't see on your bottom dollar or you know immediately mm-hmm. um yeah that's huge that's huge you guys are making me feel better about <laughs> myself because i will admit so i lived in the bronx for a little bit and I would, like, always joke around with my friends that I was gentrifying the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I wanted to create a community garden. Yeah. And, like, I would jog around the neighborhood and everyone would look at me crazy. Because, like, <laughs> people didn't jog yeah. in the West Side Bronx. Um, but so I wasn't gentrifying it. I was trying to improve it. Yeah, for yourself, yeah. I don't know. Right? I mean, it, right? it depends on how you take the word gentrify. Like, That's the we, thing. We're looking at this yes. Or yes. Because when you're receiving it, it's such a stretch to say this. Think about how far the N word has come in our communities. Mm-hmm. If the N word sticks out in a sentence to some people the way it doesn't to others, like to others, it's literally just in the middle of a sentence, just something that means that person. However, to others, it sticks out and it hurts. A trigger. Gentrification, for me, I've heard it so many times and uh, you know, I've, I've studied it so many times that it doesn't stick out as like the worst thing because I'm not just taking it at face value. I'm not taking it as just that. I'm taking it as, okay, this is happening. Now, how do I involve people who look like me to either a combat it or b you know fortify like he said fortify his fortify their space so that they're not affected by it or so that they can benefit from it you know because us minorities can benefit from gentrification too in in other ways you know just and there's a lot and that we can go down a path of like how we can however you know, it isn't just about the housing. It's a, it's about a lot of things that are going on around us, you know? So, yeah, it depends on how you receive the word gentrification. True. I, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm um, of the far, the, the left side of the spectrum that says, like, personally, housing should be, like, a human right. Like, I think you yeah. probably would agree with me that on this, too, but just, mm-hmm. you know, there's, like, reality, and then there's what should be. Like, you know, yeah. the world we live in and the world we want to live in. And I think right now the world we live in, yeah, there's, like, thing, practical things you can do to... to um, Make sure that your, you know, your community is fortified exactly. And then, dreaming, right? I think housing should be a human right. Like mm-hmm. it should be. Um, there's a lot of people who are pushing for um, public house, like public housing, but not in the sense that, uh, not in the way that we think about it here. Mm-hmm. But um, like socialized housing. For, um, yeah, um, putting a lot of public land into community land trust and making it affordable, like in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. So it's forever affordable to people um mm-hmm. not thinking of real of, of housing as like a, a commodity mm-hmm. that can be traded on global markets right like mm-hmm. making um not having a situation like the 2008 global um, housing crisis happened and now mm-hmm. you know folks you know, this gentrification is like kind of the result of of taking um you know a lot of middle-income black wealth and 
you know, disinvesting from that community. And yeah. now there's like, you know, homes that are, you know, being sold for dirt cheap because banks are selling them. So, yeah. um, I think, yeah. So I think, you know, there's a world that we want to live in. And I think part of that is getting involved in fighting, whether, you know, you're more of a, like, let's make sure that everything's good here or you're yeah. someone who's out, um, pushing, you know, the city and the state to do more. Like I know in Massachusetts, there's a movement to like, not just protect, um, people who are renting right now and, and make sure that they can't be evicted for like no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also people fighting to make it so that in communities that have like zoning laws that make it so you can't actually build a, like multi-unit dwellings, which is like the, like the easiest way to provide affordable housing because mm-hmm. um, the more units, so it's more um, affordable over it's math, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's communities that don't. Yeah, yeah. There's communities that don't want those, those multifamilies to um, be there because they're, it you know, because them. no, because it's racism. They don't want black people in there. Mm. Yeah, and sure, it devalues. That's actually mm. probably um, a lot of people are probably worried about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a combination of both. Um, yeah, and there's yeah, those people that pay into fear, uh, and like yeah. So there's a lot to it, but um, we want. I think we want to, you know want to be hopeful that there's that things can change but i think in terms of your situation in the bronx right yeah. uh, <laughs> let's go i didn't forget it, it is i think it is po- it's totally possible for a black person to be someone who's gentrifying and i think it isn't something that like we can always prevent as much as it's like what are you doing to to like on the other side of it like mm-hmm. yeah okay like the process from what i understand of gentrification it starts with college students who are courageous enough to venture in neighborhoods mm-hmm. um that they can't afford because their schools housing is too expensive right which is a whole nother issue mm-hmm. um and then they kind of take the brunt and then that big neighborhood becomes safer and they're like okay yeah this neighborhood's okay and then more you know and then more people come yeah. so yeah like you know yeah it happens and it's it's effed up but i think you know we live in an effed up capitalist society like mm-hmm. so i think it's just it, i don't think it's a pro- you shouldn't feel bad as um as much as um you think about how you can make things better yeah so I, I, I think also trying to build like public gardens and jogging is a gentrifying person. Personally, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we should give that to them. To the yeah, yes. no, because we all run. Yeah, and people, we, people have gardens in black communities. Exactly, all over. exactly. And you know, I'm Haitian. We we live off the land. Yeah. So it was it was really more so a joke, but then at the same time, <laughs> yeah. like it was something Tongue that like internally I was like, am I like trying to shift? It was more so like the culture yeah. too, mm-hmm. yeah. because um, my area was. Pretty predominantly Dominican I don't know anything about it and African so it's the Bronx is super diverse and it's the only borough in New York City that hasn't been gentrified or is like very much it feels like New York like if you were in New York in the 70s like well people tell me because I'm not that old but people tell me it's pretty much like that same essence so I so my thing was I was going into like this Bronx neighborhood and I was like people don't know what they deserve like (laughs) I need to clean up all the stairs and make sure like everything is clean here I don't care if the superintendent isn't cleaning it I people these like immigrants don't know that they deserve cleanliness and gardens and um like a safe space to exercise and all which I mean it was they do deserve it but for whatever reason I felt like me doing these small little tasks was gonna change that and yeah. my friends would make fun of me cause like people stole the um the plants that I put oh in. man <laughs> that's heartbreaking that you is know, heartbreaking you tried though see that's, that's not yeah, yeah that's trying to uplift and, and build community I'm, su- I'm surprised you didn't meet no one that was down with the movement yeah 
no one you know i, I love that you said i love that you said yes. they don't know that they don't deserve that they deserve cleanliness they deserve that so there is a quote um now i don't know where i heard it or where i read it um however it, it's a little rough however the quote goes you know the, there's a difference between a poor black man and a poor white man mm. um and the difference is that the poor white man doesn't believe that they deserve to be poor and i was oh, like I oh man time. yeah mm-hmm. i was like wow is and so i don't know if it was dave <laughs> i don't know no no no. i don't i, I want to say time. dave probably requoted it however it came from something well before that yeah. um and and you know obviously it's not a sweeping statement to to say that that's the case between all white people and all black people and i always need to preface those statements however that's a perfect example of it it's just you know they don't believe that they should be jogging around a neighborhood or they don't believe that their neighborhood is safe enough and um to be doing these things or you know it, it's tough the things that we don't want to get involved with mm-hmm. um and and we deserve more we deserve better and we deserving those things starts with us mm-hmm. it starts with us believing that we deserve it and it starts with us believing that we can we are capable uh, of giving ourselves that and doing it and and it goes a long way and that's why the human experience is, <laughs> is yet again just such a, a complicated thing mm-hmm. you know such a complicated thing yeah i feel like um gentrification is just another phase in in, in speaking to the idea of like the black poor person versus the white mm-hmm. poor, poor person it's like a um the next chapter in like a in like a long book of black people kind of being like pushed around the, wherever um and it's because you know we have been we you know taken from our taken from africa and brought here and mm-hmm. um yeah disruptive power and um uh, autonomy and the ability to self you know determine your your future yeah. and so i think that this is like a long future of kind of not having self-determination and not having the power like we are a minority in a majority white country that has that you know not too long ago was enslaving black people right, so I, I, right. I, it's it's no it's no kind of like for me it's not like it's not that crazy like mm-hmm. you know that the situation is happening and um it feels like an, you know another iteration of of that but i think you know there's also a long history of people resisting so there's mm-hmm. you know there's communities that you can find um that have built community land trusts that have like right here in boston mm-hmm. one of the first community land trusts mm-hmm. um and there's also prior to that a movement to actually like have roxbury dorchester matter pan secede from the city of boston and form its own mm-hmm. municipality mm-hmm. um to have a better access to like resources and control of the resources Mm-hmm. So there's a long history of people fighting back, and this I feel like it's just another iteration. Gentrification does feel like a buzzword to a certain extent, especially yeah. just how it's kind of hard to define. Like, right? Like you said, like we're experts in it, and I wouldn't call myself an expert. You know, you call us experts yeah, in it. We're like, involved. Yeah, we're involved. But we couldn't, but we couldn't. But like, we, but it's so we don't hard have to the, define. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, whereas, like, you know, other things are easier to, to define. So I think it's because it has it, there's so many factors and there's so many ways to look at it. Um, it's layered. What do you guys think in terms of because you guys touched on like the historical aspect of um, like FHA loans and redlining and things like that, and reparations is like a huge part of um, like these presidential debates that are happening mm-hmm. right now. What do you think about in terms of like housing being a part of reparations? That would be interesting. Um... 
There's talks about it. There's talks there? about it. Yeah. 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 I, I think the fact that it's even being discussed is, is, is huge. And the reason why I say that is because when the thought of reparations gets thrown out there, in certain communities, you notice it's like it's scoffed at. It's like, oh, well, you know, people are just looking for a handout. Da, 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 da. And there was a time where I was like, no, we're never going to get repar. We're never, yeah, we're never going to get reparations. That's never going to happen. And then I just, you know, I did a little research myself on it, and people who have gotten reparations, I was like, wait a minute, that's not that outlandish of a thought, mm-hmm. like for us to get reparations, and we're not asking for a handout. However. You can clearly see what the damage has, you know, that has been done to us today. You know, I don't care how much people talk about the argument of, you know, stuff that happened so long ago. It's like, no, it wasn't long ago because you still see the problems of it. Yeah, you still see the effects of it to this day. We're enslaved longer than we've been free. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like yeah. Numerically, if you do the math. Yeah. Right. You no, know, sixteen nineteen to like what, 1866. Yeah. And then if you want to really call that freedom... Yeah, you like, still like, have, yeah, segregation, know, Jim Crow, say, yeah. Let's say 1970s, we got free, really? So it's only been like 40? 40 years. Then, it blows your mind. It blows your mind. And then, right. yeah, you're, you're talking about the drug epidemic, and then you're talking about actually the, the prison pipeline. Right. Exactly. It's it's crazy. So it's, 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 definitely, it's definitely... We're being done dirty. Oh yeah, still to this day. And so we deserve reparations to the point, you know. Like I think it's totally, and I think that's part of like what's been some of the discussions, like um, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. Cory Booker, Kamal Harris. They've yeah. all been kind of talking about like yeah. reparations, but what would it look like? You know, there's been movements for that in a long time. Yeah, to include housing and reparations would be absolutely huge. huge. Well, yeah, like originally about land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it was always true. about land. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. it was. You know, imagine where we would be. I mean, again, like I said. Real estate has been the absolute basis of wealth mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. Period. That's all it's been. It's it started and it'll never change. Mm-hmm. No matter what other you know housing crash comes up, no matter what, it'll never change. So, mm-hmm. I think now, if we talked about putting housing in reparations, I, I don't think it would ever pass because I think the people in power see how much power is in right. real estate because you're not just giving the basic right. Now you're now you're giving, yeah, well, yeah. Now you're not only just giving the basic right. Mm-hmm. Now you're giving a means to wealth. Mm-hmm. Now you're giving something else. So people are fighting already back against yeah. the push to have um, more progressive housing policy. You know, real estate development um, helped kill a bill in Massachusetts that would have just reported on how many people are being evicted. Right now, we have no idea how many people are evicted in Massachusetts. Mm. Or in, in Massachusetts. Because they Boston. don't want us to know. In Boston, yeah. And yeah, real estate development. And um, it would have been like a just cause evic- like a just cause eviction bill and didn't pass. So it's like, there's a lot of money of uh, people who are against. Um, Lobbying. Yeah, man. people. But I think there's, you know, you know, that kind of money is lonely. We are the masses, we're the people. So I think if we all get down on the same page, we don't have to worry about all that, mm. which is what I encourage all of us to do. So join together as a collective. So join one of the organizations that I named, like Get Involved, yeah. Maha, City Life, you know, one of the organizations. Yeah. Get down, vote, like know, like get to know your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, the local is the, is everything. So. Know your neighbor. What is it? The small is small, small is all. all. Small is all. Yeah. So I think that's actually a perfect segue. Yeah. 
Um, before we get to that, I just want you guys, if you have any final thoughts or because we focus on mental health. So if someone, cause we don't have the, the representation of someone who's actually going through that process of, mm-hmm. and that maybe you guys have, and you haven't spoken to it, um, who might be being pushed out of their neighborhood, what kinds of things would you say to that person? In addition to the resources that you guys already mentioned, yeah. but like, just the you spoke about like the emotional aspect of it and the shame and what what kind of words of support could you say for someone that might be listening that might be experiencing that she it, it's tough and there's other people experiencing the same thing which um, and there's people who are fighting against back against it mm-hmm. um, I think it's it's especially hard for people who have mental illness whether that be like addiction or like mm. just literal mental illness like mm. you know there's probably you know because we're not counting so many people who have like, disabilities who are easily pushed out of their home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hopefully there's um, people that are you know watching out for that and I think there are but if you're in that situation yeah just like, like go to City Life Feeder Bonna call Maha called Metro Housing Boston. Um, look for support, and um, yeah, just yeah, just keep pushing because I think that's all we can do. It's always all we have to do. Um, you know, and I talk about this. I actually touch upon the topic a lot in our first time homebuyers class. Like, you know, there is a big discrepancy in mental health and physical health mm-hmm. for renters and owners. Huge discrepancy, uh, discrepancy, and it has a lot to do with stress. You know, stress kills, and we understand that. So, you know, one of my first things that I would say is, outside of anything that has to do with the word house, like, you know, stress does kill. Please, please, please take some time for self care. I know there's a lot of people working two jobs, two and a half jobs, three jobs out there just to put a roof over their family's head. You know, take some time for yourself because your money is not only going into rent, your money's going into taking care of your health. Um, in terms of, you know, words of encouragement for people who are going through gentrification, um, I would say, you know, we're obviously going to say get involved with the organizations. You don't have to change completely what you're doing right now in order to get involved an hour of your time, 30 minutes of your time. Call and figure out what's going on. I would say definitely raise your awareness on what your situation is and what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Get um, Get involved not to just buzzword get involved get involved to really learn a little bit more about how to get yourself out of where you're you're at you know because there is a there is a gap and i forget what the word the phrase is that's called um that is called where you're too poor to go to the next level however you know you're making just too mm-hmm. much to get the assistance that, that you want that in between right um it's possible is my words of encouragement. It is very, very possible to get yourself out if you are willing to put in the, the time. You know, patience is key. You can get get yourself out of there, you know, whether it's saving, whether it's working with people who are experts at this. You know, you don't have to work with us particularly, however, our organizations are helping people, you know, empower themselves, right? Um, we teach a lot on, you know, your financial place, your credit, your your savings, things like that. Like, there's a lot of things that we can control. Mm-hmm. So, you know, build your education there, build your awareness to the things that you can control so that five years from now, you're still going to be living. And you're going to look back at today and say, you know, what have I done to try and improve as opposed to saying, like, 
oh, it's impossible. Like, you know, everything's too expensive. Yes. Okay. So what do we need to do with you to get to a point where you can afford? Or what do we need to do with you to get to a point where you're improving your areas and staying in your areas? Um, so really look inward, become, get involved, um, and become more aware, you know, and uh, I promise you, you know, no matter how long it takes, you, you will get there. I think about like our sphere of influence. So we all have a group of people, whether we're aware of it or not, that we're influencing with our day-to-day actions. Mm. So I'm just thinking about like before we started recording, we talked about how I purchased my first home. So just thinking about, I feel all grown. uh, (laughs) Just thinking about like what it took for me to get there. And even before that, what it took for my family who are immigrants to purchase their first home Mm. and how they around them have influenced their friends. Mm. Um, And then also even further investing in real estate in their home country and providing jobs and um, just creating a ripple effect. So just thinking about the sphere and your control, what you're in control of and who you can touch. And then again, small is all and seeing how that can ripple effect to the larger community. Um, I think every episode, like when we talk about like the impacts of all of these topics on people of color, I just think about how resilient we are. Like, we are tough. So tough resilient. Yeah. Right. We're tough. That, that I know. Alex? That probably it it, it did. I'm, I'm keeping the tears. I'm keeping the tears back. However, <laughs> yes. And like Armani said it, like keep Survival, pushing. Survival, yeah. Like we just keep pushing. Like we've been through this. This is just a continuation of what has been happening for centuries, and we're we're gonna get through it. I, there's a um, a group from Jackson, Mississippi, who I love called Cooperation Jackson, who mm-hmm. is doing like amazing work um, around like creating an intentional like community and city and having it be eco friendly and like a so like have their solidarity economy and all these beautiful things, mm-hmm. non capitalist. Um, and right now they're actually doing an exchange. Speaking of like you know 400 years of return. 1619 it's 2019 now it's been 400 years mm. the first african uh person was in, taken from africa and brought um wow. to america and so that group is doing an exchange a cultural exchange in ghana with people there mm. who are thinking about how to um fight gentrification in ghana mm. and so thinking about how do we share resources as and um mm. as diasporic people mm. um so yeah i think there's people who think you know plotting on the future already like you know trying to help us you know, get more free we don't yeah. know it. We're out that's there. Awesome. It's out I love there. The solidarity there. Yeah. I like that. These groups are out there. Yeah. That's the thing. These groups are out there. We we gotta we gotta give towards it. Give our time. Thank you guys. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. So we're gonna end this episode like we end every episode, and that is with a mindful moment. So we have the emergent strategies that I've alluded to all episode. Can we show that on the screen? The nine emergent strategies. So for those of you guys listening and that can't see the screen right now, so we have nine emergent strategies taken from the the book Emergent Strategies by... Adrian Marie Brown. Thank you. Um, And these are strategies that I have adopted and lived by. So for today's mindful moment, I'm going to read them aloud. And then I want my guests to just talk about the ones that kind of like scream out at them and what that means to them and maybe how they can adopt that in their day-to-day life. So um, small is good. Small is all. Change is constant. Be like water. 
There is always enough time for the right work. There is a conversation in the room that only these people at this moment can have. Find it. Those are supposed to be separate. Mm. Never a failure. Always a lesson. Trust the people. If you trust the people, they become trustworthy. Move at the speed of trust. Focus on critical critical connections more than critical mass. Build the resilience by building the relationships. Less prep, more presence. What you pay attention to grows. So you you guys know I like small as all. Well. I love that. I live by that. Um, I think it makes me think about how everything is connected and like my day-to-day thoughts, my day-to-day actions all build to where I want to be as a person, where I see myself in the future. Um, so it just reminds me um, of the importance, which is pretty much mindfulness of the now and what I'm doing and how that's going to get me to the larger picture. So what about you? What, what from that speaks to you? Uh, I do like what you pay attention to grows. Um, funny enough, I was posting something on that recently without even seeing this today. You know, what you focus on expands is what I usually say to that. Um, and it, it can encompass a lot of the things here where, you know, there's a lot that's going on. There's a lot that you're doing and you can get down on yourself. You can focus on how hard something is or how impossible something might seem. And when you focus on that part of it, it will always be that. It'll always be impossible. It will always be hard. However, if you focus on, you know, the good, if you focus on your strengths, that's what you're going to grow. You're going to grow your strengths, um, your relationships around you. If you focus on what's wrong with the relationships that you have or something that's going not so great, that's going to be the topic of the relationship. That's going to be the theme of the relationship. However, if you focus on, you know, the blessing, the grace that it is to, you know, have friends, have a relationship, have the people around you, then you're, you'll be surprised Mm -hmm. at how different your life will be. Um, And so when I say what you pay attention to grows, I'll say, pay attention to your grace, you know, pay attention to grace, how, how, how amazing things are actually around you. Um, there's a couple in there that definitely work out. I would say that one. There's so many good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I probably never failure, always a lesson. That was my number two. Nice. Um, whatever happens in life, flip it into a lesson. Don't Mm -hmm. be negative. Mm -hmm. Don't get caught up in like, beating yourself up mm-hmm. just learn from it uh, you know there's lots of people like lots of similar quotes yeah. um that i like that, that i like to um point to that are similar but i think that's a simple one just never failure always a lesson mm-hmm. and it's like um i think the what is it erica badu says the man who knows nothing knows that he knows nothing at all yeah. so it's like mm-hmm. whatever like whatever you're doing in life don't expect it for it to work out exactly because you don't actually know mm-hmm. so just like chill out and learn Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So it's a wrap on episode three of the Mindful Podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. Peace. Peace.